Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. I know I've been off my groove for a couple weeks now, but I've got a really fun episode today for you guys. Cole is going to be joining me in today's episode. It's going to be one take, so I'm not going to have any timestamps located down below. But if you do want to skip around, just genuinely off the top of my head, thinking about what we talked about, we covered the Bears, of course, we started there. Quickly turned things to the Chargers, which turned into a long conversation about them. Probably spent about 15 minutes on that as well. And then we talked about um, some Super Bowl contenders, their potential weaknesses. That was a good 20-minute conversation as well. Again, keep in mind, this is all approximate. So if you do want to skip to any of these segments, sorry, I'm not going to have timestamps in this one. But it was just a really fun conversation. Spent about an hour talking with him. Uh, really good time. Always a pleasure to get Cole on the podcast. So I'm going to have a lot more content coming out here soon. I am going to be getting more involved on campus, like I said before my brief hiatus. Um, school just really got the better of me these past couple weeks. And I kind of just got a little bit away from myself. But we're going to be back in on full effect. I now have these mobile mics, so I'm going to be interviewing players, trivia. It's going to be really, really fun. There's going to be a lot more content coming out for you guys, and I'm really hoping to lock in these next couple months and really get into a groove. So I hopefully will you know, grow this channel, grow this outlet, and hopefully you guys have some fun with it too. Either way, I hope you guys do enjoy this episode with Cole. I'm hoping to get Vance on an episode later this week because obviously it's Thanksgiving weekend. There's a lot of people in town. This is the time to do it. Either way, hope you guys do enjoy this episode. And without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so we're going to start off with the Bears because it's my show. And actually, first off, how you been, bro? How's school? I'm How's good, life? dude. Um, <laughs> life's good. School's hard. School's it's hard. long. It takes time. I'm glad to be back in Santa Barbara. Are we going to be done by the summer? Yeah, we'll be done by the summer. Let's go. I only have to take two classes in the in the spring. So. Oh, fucking. You're way ahead of my ass. I got I got to catch up a little bit. You done in the majors. fall? I'm not done till. Yeah, probably fall, mm. like a year from now. Let's drop the football talk. Let's yeah. talk life. Let's talk life. Yeah. That's what this. That's what this podcast yeah, yeah, is really yeah. about. Change of direction. <laughs> okay, so the Chicago Bears, obviously, not having the year I would have thought we were going to have coming into the season. One of the things I was definitely wrong about. Um, there's, I think it's fair to say, this has been a really unpredictable season. There's a lot of things have gone wrong. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of things, a lot of people have gone wrong. Excuse me. The Bears have been really fu- fucking frustrating to watch because I feel like a lot of their problems are self-inflicted. I feel like right now I'm just totally all in and thinking about the future and what to do with our draft strategy. And I just hope the Panthers keep losing because as of right now, we have the number one overall pick. But me personally, this is our my first point I want to get into with you. I, w- I want to keep Fields. I think we still should give him some time to develop. I know he hasn't been perfect, but I think a lot of the circumstances around him aren't perfect either. And frankly, I don't think Caleb Caleb Williams is still like a really good prospect. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't. Maybe I'm not as high on him as some of these other guys. And also, I just think our team needs so much right now. I don't think just an immediate quarterback change would be what we need as a team right now. I would rather just trade the pick again. And just get as many picks as possible. What do you think about that? Yeah, so starting with Fields, what I was going to mention, like what I kind of mentioned before, 
I, I saw some posts saying that it's like the rest of the season is basically his like trial or his like they're going to evaluate what he can do for the rest of the season. Basically, see if they want him to be the future quarterback or like at least have a shot to be the future quarterback. And I agree with you. I think they should keep him at least one more year because it's like you go, you draft a new quarterback. Obviously, what like one overall. Caleb Williams is a great quarterback. Yes. I think some stock. His thoughts kind of gone down in the last few weeks. Like he's still the number one quarterback. Yeah, but he has to be. I think before he was this like golden boy target. Everyone thought, you know, Caleb Williams was like the next coming, basically. And he like I think he's kind of come down to earth a little bit. Still a great quarterback, mm-hmm. but I think Fields still has potential. And like you were saying, there's so many other issues that need to be addressed first. And I think like he still looked good last game. Like in his first game back from injury, he had a lot of promise. There's obviously issues, but I think. You show there's serious improvements that you can see with just adding a guy like DJ Moore. He was a great receiver, but it's yeah, like, it get another great receiver in there. Get him some more talent around him. Get a better O-line. I'm not sure how you feel about the coaching staff. But I mean, I don't mind. Honestly, I don't mind our OC. I think Getsy does some great things. I don't really understand what we were trying to do in the first like few weeks of the season where it just felt very – like I don't think Fields was that off by saying like, the coaching needs to change. Yeah. And that got a lot of press. And obviously that was like a really big storyline, but like granted, like it changed and then he started playing a lot better and then he got hurt, but that's neither here nor there. My point is I don't mind Getsy. I think there's times where he tries to make it to traditional drop back quarterback game, like in the shotgun all the time. And fields just doesn't play well that way. I think you need to like, stress the defense vertically and then you also need to stress it horizontally and they've been doing that a lot more in the form of like they get him out like they don't have him sit in the pocket you know what i mean they they have the pocket roll with him a lot of like that naked bootleg stuff and it works out for the most part and then if it's not there we obviously know what he can do with his legs so it's a little hit or miss for me but i do think Eberflus needs to go um I've heard a lot of Bears fans say, like, can we demote him to D.C.? I just don't see a world where he's just on board with that. Yeah, staying in the same program, like... That's just tough. You don't see that happen too often. There's a little bit of animosity usually if they're like, oh, we don't want you to really be the head coach. But, like, if you still want to be, like, the D.C., it's like, I I I would agree. I don't see him signing off on that. I think best case scenario, we get... I mean, obviously, the last time we went after an offensive guy... Offensive-minded guy, I should say. It was Nagy. And we kind of know what happened there. It didn't end up working <laughs> out. But I will say his first year, I mean, he did win coach of the year for a reason. Um, obviously, that was the year Khalil Mack did come in. So there was a lot of things going right for that team. It was just like a good – a lot of things like kind of came together at the right time. But, I mean, if a guy like Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, becomes available, I wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, either way, my point is I just think we need to get an offensive-minded guy in there. I said in the moment when we hired Eberflus – Obviously, I was cautiously optimistic because I want to trust my team and trust the process. But a former linebacker coach coming in is just so Chicago and it's so boring and it just doesn't feel like some a move that would move the needle in the right direction for a winning franchise. Um, so again, I mean, I hope the Panthers keep losing. Sorry, Biggs. But mm-hmm. we need that draft capital to stay up. I hope we trade the pick. I hope we get just as many lottery tickets as we can. And then I hope we go get an offensive coach. Reading through some of the stats, it's actually like not as bad as you'd think, um, especially against the run. We're actually really good. In terms of yards per rush, we're first in the league at 3.4. Wild. Wouldn't have expected that. And then rushing yards per game, we're second in the league at 79.5. Um, granted, we don't face that many 
runs per game, but you could say that's kind of like what came first, chicken or the egg. Do people just not run the ball against us because we're pretty good at defending the run or are our numbers against the run pretty good because people don't run the ball against us? Um, when it comes to the pass, it's kind of a different story, but that doesn't bother me as much just because we have such a young secondary and I still think there's a bunch to improve there. Um, we have like two starters that are rookies right now and then two more that are second year guys. So I, I'm still like holding on faith for that. That doesn't concern me as much. But you still expect those numbers to be better when you're hiring a defensive coach. So it is a little bit concerning. There, there's a lot of parallels with the Chargers also sure. hiring a defensive coach. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'm always on board with when you have a young quarterback that shows a lot of promise early, like Herbert, like Fields. Like, go with an offensive coach. Because if you have an OC that finds a lot of success with a young quarterback, they're going to get taken away. They're going to be a head coach within a couple of years. Yeah, you get an OC. the enemy. Exactly. There's so many cases where you see that. It's like you have these DC guys coming as head coach. Like, maybe they're good leaders, whatever it is, that like made the uh, organization decide to hire them. But it's like they come in if the defense isn't finding success within the first couple of seasons. Like, I know, I know not to shift the talk to the Chargers, but like, with we'll Staley, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like I, I, I always would sign off on bringing an offensive guy. I think both of our teams could use an offensive-minded head coach. Yeah, uh, I will say I like some things that Kellen Moore has done for your offense. Um, it's honestly like crazy. I mean, we can kind of like merge some topics here. I've got a bunch of Charger stats mm-hmm. in front of me too. Um, it's honestly crazy some of the stats you guys have been able to do offensively, and you're still. What are you four and six? <laughs> it's right? not good. Six, right? Yeah, I think I think it's four and it's six. It's unreal because you're you're fourth in turnover margin per game. You're first in giveaways per game. So you never you don't give the ball away, and you're second in interception percentage thrown. So when you have stats like that, like it's just it's so bizarre that you guys haven't won more football games. But it's also just so Chargers because like when you look at some of these stats, last two years honestly, it's been the run game like running against you guys that's just killed you like you always have this problem of stopping the run this year it's been a lot better and the pass is like killed it, of guys. course it's like there's there's the shift it's just bizarre like to, for some of these numbers for reference of what we're talking about here i mean in terms of just yards per pass you guys are 31st at 7.5 so basically every time someone drops back it's three-fourths of a first down yeah that's insane um, you're facing the second most passes per game and you're also allowing the most passing yards per game and it's not close. You're allowing the most by like 30 yards. Um, the one thing that is really good about your team and you'd hope that it'd be really good because I'll get to these numbers in a second is your sack percentage. Your sack percentage is actually ninth. You guys get to the quarterback 8% of the time. But now Joey Bosa is hitting the IR, which has been a problem for him basically his whole career. Every single, yeah, I mean, especially these past few years. Yeah. He's perpetually on IR. It's like, I see that headline, I'm like, oh, I thought he was already on IR. Like, yeah. he, I mean, he gets pressures, he'll get the occasional sack, and it's like he consistently is injured. And I don't know. It, like, the, like, the sack percentage is good. I really like what Khalil's been able to do. He's performed great. Great run block or run stuffer, I should say. Yeah, Khalil's been awesome, especially for his age. <laughs> and the Raiders game mm-hmm. itself was insane. There's um I'm blanking on his name, but there's we have a rookie D lineman. Yeah, yeah. Two he is by low too. Yeah, I, I wasn't even gonna try out that pronunciation. Yeah. He's been great though. Yeah, he has been great. He's a he's an LA kid. He went to school at SC, grew up in Hawthorne, if I, I think I could be wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, the stats proud. Um 
I just remember that from the previous that, episodes. Got you. But uh, some crazy stats that I want you to react to about the Chargers. Before this weekend, the Chargers were <laughs> – this is fucking nuts. <laughs> 482, 482 and one all time. Mm. So that, that, literally 500 on the Historically dot. the most mid-team ever. Herbert is 29 and 29 as a starter. I was about to get to that too. And since his first start, they've scored 1,502 points. Do you know how many points they've allowed? Dude. One thousand. So, I was about to say and two. No way. Yeah. So it's exactly the same. Yeah. Insane. Actually, perfectly insane. balanced. Literally perfect. That's crazy. Balanced. Um, that's that's just unreal. Like I've never heard of it. It's it, it, it. When you look at stats like that, is like how is that possible? Where it's that precise? In the history of the franchise, you've won just as many games as you lost. Herbert has won just as many games as he's lost, and they've also scored as many points as they've as, allowed. As they've allowed. It's unreal. It's the definition of mid. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, every single year, especially since Herbert's on the quarterback, it's like you see so much potential with the team. So much potential. You think every year they have, you know, they add a couple guys, and it's like, oh, we have serious playoff, if not Super Bowl hopes this year. And then the year starts, and it's the same thing every year. Like, I, I saw some – I get every single Chargers post sent to me that, yeah. you know <laughs> – uh, but I got one center. It was like the Chargers last wins since like whatever week of last year. And it was like, like this year, especially it's like be Bajant with yeah, the Bears. Yeah. Bajant. We beat Bajant. Sorry. No. Um, <laughs> was it O'Connell with the Raiders? Yes. Beat O'Connell. Zach um, Wilson. Beat Kirk Cousins. Beat Zach Wilson. It's like you look Kirk, at Kirk. That was a heart attack too. My Kirk, God. Yeah. First off, all the games are yeah. three points except for the yeah. Chiefs. And it's like the quarterbacks we beat. Other than Kirk, are all backups. Yeah, yeah. It's like those are our wins. Like four and six, not great. Like obviously could be worse, I guess. But it's also like those four wins, none of them are really impressive other than you could say the Vikings game. Also, I think it's fair to say with that roster, you expect a lot more than four wins. 100%. Especially with where the money's going, where you guys are paying some guys. How many close games are it too? I will say, Keenan Allen obviously uh, showing no signs of slowing down. Mike Williams getting hurt really fucking sucked. Um, he's due thirty plus million dollars next year. Mike? Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna cut him, I think. They saved twenty million dollars if they cut him. Yeah. They I think they cut Mike. I think Josh Palmer. Palmer and then kind of Quentin were like both con- contingency plans. Yeah, we can get to that in a sec. Yeah. But we're both contingency plans for Mike because he's obviously struggled with his health for right. years and has an expensive contract. Yeah. This year you can cut him and save a lot of money. But I mean Palmer looked Palmer's looked great. Palmer's when he's been, healthy. Yeah, Palmer's had some really good moments. And Quentin, we I cannot say the same for Quentin. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just don't think it makes sense. Keenan is showing that we should keep him as long as we can if he keeps performing like he has been. Yeah, dude's unreal. But Mike is every year he gets hurt. I love the dude. Like as a person, as a player, he's great when he actually can play. But it's like there's so many consistent injuries that you see. Like with him, with Bosa, you you can't just keep paying these guys the top dollars that they can't play. Yeah, and I'll get to the – I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I'll get to Bosa's figure for in terms of cap space in a little bit. But uh, Quinton Johnson, man, if he catches that pass against Green Bay, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I did see it. Yeah, that's that was... probably ball game. And honestly – At the very of, least, overtime. Yeah, at the very least, overtime. And that's kind of been the storyline of his season so far where – Honestly, I just expected a lot more from him, and I thought the Chargers were like the perfect location for him. I thought Herbert was going to be able to get the most out of him. 
I wasn't like crazy high on him coming off of college, but I mean, I honestly wasn't that high on any of the receivers. So it wasn't really like a knock on him. It was just like more so the class. And that was kind of not aging too well either because this class is honestly looking pretty good. But um, my point that I'm trying to make is that Quentin Johnson, I thought he was going to have a lot more success coming into the system. I thought Justin Herbert was going to know how to use him. And we see the ability. Like he separates. He's a big dude, big frame. But he just hasn't really put it all together yet. Um, Obviously, it's way too early to give up on him. And he was drafted that highly for a reason. But the point that I'm trying to say is if we – it's just Keenan Allen and basically nobody else right now in terms of actual receivers. Also, obviously, Austin's there, and he's plays a role in the passing game. 100%. In terms of actual receivers, it's Keenan and then – you're, like as far as people catching the ball goes, it's all tight ends. Yeah, it's like it's Keenan Parham. Parham gets like the red zone targets, especially yeah, because he's like huge, six ten, massive. Um, and then you'll see Everett getting the ball. It's like past that. Get has been back the last couple weeks. Has not really done too much. No. He's always been like the downfield option, but yeah. now he kind of has to play everywhere because we don't have any receivers healthy. Yeah, or that are productive. And then Quinton, obviously, they're trying to get him involved, but just has not been able to produce. So it, it literally is just Keenan right yeah. now, yeah. as far as actual receivers go. And I think touching on like drafting Quinton as high as we did, I know everyone was saying it was basically like a luxury pick. Your team was already loaded offensively, or like in theory, you have Keenan, Mike Williams, you have Mike, you have solid tight ends, yeah. you obviously have Austin in the backfield. Right. You're like, oh, you're going to add Quinton, like, who is supposed to be this top tier receiver guy. Give him some time to develop behind those other two. That's what you I know. Thought. Let him be. Let him be this luxury piece where it's yeah. like you still have this big body receiver with a lot of potential. He's gonna learn from two great receivers. You Who know, are also big body guys. And like, like let him act as the wide receiver three or four. Right. And that's like amazing wide receiver depth. But then obviously Mike gets hurt. Josh Palmer gets hurt now. It's like he's suddenly been elevated to wide receiver two, and you just there, there's definitely a development curve. But mm-hmm. he's just clearly not ready for that role yeah. right now. And I, I'm definitely not gonna give up hope on him. Like you were saying, he's a young, it's like early in his career. You have to give him time to develop. But it's just, it's an unfortunate situation, especially when you see the other receivers, like Addison, Flowers been performing well. Tank like, Dell. Tank, yeah, even if you still even go past the first round, there's been yeah. a lot of rookie. Puka. Downs is rookie, right? Downs. Yeah, there's been a lot of, yeah, yeah Puka, dude, like there are so many impressive rookie receivers. Yeah. And I understand that they, like, they draft Quinton as more of a long-term option, thinking, "Oh, we're not going to have to use him too much this year." You know, he'll, he'll be a luxury piece. But, but when you see the amount of talent that's yeah. coming out of the class, especially in later rounds, you wonder what would happen if the Chargers had invested that pick somewhere where they clearly need help. You know, like yeah. anywhere on the defense. But or, also, I mean, to go back to that point, like that's a really good point because, like, I don't, I don't even think they wanted to use him this early in the role that he's being forced into. Like you said, I think they were really expecting it to be more of a luxury pick and more of like a future long-term pick because maybe, who knows, like even if Mike Williams doesn't get injured this season, maybe they would have cut him next year anyways just to like move on to the next guy and save some money because this brings me to my next point. Some of these figures are insane of what you're going to have to pay these guys. Just, just to cut in real quick, I do feel yeah. that's definitely a possibility. I feel like their perspective with drafting Quinton was all right, if Mike stays healthy this whole season, balls out and it's like we'll still admit, like could potentially cut him or like even if he let's let's say he doesn't ball out this season but he stays healthy you probably cut him because he's not producing mm. he stays healthy he balls out keaton Keep obviously him. plays still well yeah plays very well and it's like then you have quinton too yeah and now you have the most stacked 
top three wide receiver court, yeah. given that Quentin is able to develop and be right. like the receiver that they think he's able to be, or that they thought he was when they drafted him. So I think I feel like that was their plan. And then obviously in the current scenario where Mike gets hurt and especially being out for season now, right. Quentin is basically who they want. It, like Quentin's supposed to be the Mike Williams type receiver. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if he can end up getting close to where Mike has been at his peak. But I feel like that was their entire plan. Yeah. I mean, he was never, like, as a prospect, I talked a lot about Quinton. He was never, like, a great contested catch guy, which was always, like, kind of weird for his size. For being such a big body receiver. But that's why I thought going to somewhere like the Chargers would be perfect for him. Because I thought, like, working behind Mike Williams would really, like, get that, like, nailed into his head. Um Obviously, now Mike's been out, so it hasn't really been the experience he thought it was going to be. But Mike Williams, like I said, he's due $30 million next year, $30 million plus. Uh, Herbert's cap hit doesn't really kick in yet. But Joey Bosa's owed $36 million next year and 33 the year after that. And then next year, they're going to have to pay $38 million to Khalil Mack. Because that was a super backloaded contract way back when they restructured it. And even when he was on Chicago, it was backloaded. So you're paying $74 million for their outside linebackers next year. And Joey Bosa obviously hasn't been able to stay healthy. So I don't know how aggressively you're trying to make moves as far as, you know, Staley. I, I'm assuming he's not going to be there. I would hope he's not you, you, be there. You would, you would assume. Yeah. And so... With that being said, a lot of times when head coaches are coming out, there's a lot that changes within the team. Austin's obviously a free agent, so I'm really curious to see what moves this team makes going forward. I think it's really going to depend on where they end up record-wise because more than likely they're going to end up middle of the pack, probably 8-9, and 9-8 nine, nine and eight at best. Right now they're 4-6. and six. So I don't think they want to have a full rebuild, and obviously they just paid their quarterback. But it's going to be really interesting to see where they manage to, you know, move their money around. And if they do end up making trades or if they try and, you know, get rid of Mike Williams just straight up via cut. If they try and trade someone like a Nick Bosa or sorry, a Joey Bosa or like a Khalil Mack. Because Khalil Mack, I mean, he's still showing that he can do it even at this age. And these dudes are getting paid a shit ton of money. So, it's going to be really interesting Interesting to see what you guys do. And I just, man, I hope Austin gets his bag, I guess is where I'm going to close with that point. But what do you what do you have to say about all that? Any thoughts? With, and I know you're saying there's a big uh, cap savings if you cut Mike Williams, right? Yeah. But do you know what the number is for Bosa? If you cut Bosa straight do you, up. Do you save money? Or like, is it significant so. or is it think so. you're going to take a big hit? I think it, I think there'd be a lot. Just knowing how his, his uh, contract was set up when he signed it, I have a feeling it would be quite the uh, cap casualty. I'll look it up right now, though, if you keep talking. Yeah, I feel like, well, if there is, if there's a good amount of savings that you get for cutting Bosa, then I think that would make sense as well. Like, it's the same thing as Mike, where it's a very talented player, but if you can't stay healthy season on season, Every single year, it's like you're probably not, especially you being owed so much money next year, you're probably not in the team's long-term future. And then I, if they would not save that much money, I could see them pulling a... Dead cap would be $22 million, so they probably don't got them. Yeah, I could see them did. It's a $36 million hit, and they only save 14 if they cut them. So. I could easily see them trading them to like the Niners, pair them up with Nick for like a late-round like awesome. late pick. You know, maybe restructure contract, contracts, whatever. 
But I, yeah, I feel like that, that's a tough situation. It is. Because you can't pay him that much money. So, and if you cut him, there's so much dead cap. So you probably try to trade him for like a late rounder maybe. Because I guess at the peak, you're still getting a very good edge. I mean, I still think you can trade him for a little more than that. Because there is, he's still under contract for, until 2025. So he's under contract next year and the year after. Um, so teams can take advantage of that. It's not like you're just trading for a guy for like a one-year rental. Like he still has two years left. And again, when he is on the field, he's still really dominant, but Definitely. he just isn't on the field enough. Yes, I think you probably you probably cut Mike after this year. Let, maybe look to trade Bosa. Khalil's a tough one because I actually really like Khalil as a player. He's been yeah. playing great. Yeah, he's yeah. obviously a little older now um, and owed a lot of money next year. So I'm really not sure what you do with that. We already opened up a lot of cap if you do what I just mentioned with, uh, with Mike Williams and Bosa. So I think... Khalil's not my biggest concern right now. You could maybe rest- like extend another year, restructure the contract more, and then I guess maybe try to trade him if his production or like health drops off. And then like you're saying with Austin, obviously I want to get his money too. Obviously. Like I'd love for him to stay with the Chargers. Obviously. That would be ideal. But it's just it, it's tough to tell with the running back market what's gonna happen. One hundred percent. Like obviously Jonathan Taylor was a big exception recently. He's been playing well, but He's like the only recent running back that's actually got. He's also, I mean, I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer here, but I'm just being a realist. He's significantly younger than Austin. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to get that too. Yeah. Like Austin's going to be what, 29, 30? Yeah. I 29. mean, he's obviously had injury struggles this season. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just hard to tell. Well, we'll obviously see how the rest of the season goes and see how his production is. But I'll say this. If he doesn't end up going back to the Chargers on a bag, I hope he gets a ring somewhere. Yeah, I would hope I would hope you'd go to a contender <laughs> yeah. if he didn't return to the Chargers. Yeah, me too. Okay, so I think that's that's what we got for our teams. Kind of got a little carried away with the Chargers there, but I mean, there's a lot to talk Could about. Could talk about team. both probably yeah, all day, literally. Yeah. So let's get into some. Uh, we're gonna one take this. I don't really feel like doing all that editing and cutting. Let's get into some Super Bowl contenders. I guess like more like tier lists. Um, so my top four teams. Let me know if you agree with me. I've got Ravens, Eagles, Chiefs, Niners. I think. Those four teams are probably the best teams in their respective conferences. Two from the NFC, two from the AFC. Would you put any other team in there? Like, I would agree with that. I, I think you you could maybe argue Cowboys, but I just don't. I think there's been yeah, such I don't a drop think you off. Can trust the Cowboys, and they they have such high highs and low lows, and yeah. I don't trust Dak. It's crazy for me to say, but it's true. Like, I trust Purdy more than I trust Dak. Yeah, absolutely. And, I do too. Which is such a funny thought too. Yeah. Like, but then the other quarter, obviously, I trust Lamar. Hurts and Mahomes more than all of those guys. Right. You know, anyone else in the league probably. Right. But yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Uh, so you're picking, would you rather uh, put your money on the Cowboys than the Lions? Mm, that's a good point. I, I actually, gosh, the Lions are tough. I've tough. had, I, after the Chargers game, it, it's a weird thought because I thought the defense for the Lions looked really good. And then the Chargers actually are obviously put up a lot of points on them. But then the thing is, the Chargers' offense, when it's clicking, can put up a lot of points. So it's right. like, I don't want to knock the Lions too much for that. I, I put the Lions and the Cowboys in pretty even tier. That, I feel that's the B tier yeah. of contenders. I would say, like, literally, like, we're basically splitting hairs here. I would still put the Cowboys, like, the slightest bit above them. Yeah. Just because I think defense really translates, especially playoff football. You want that really good defense. But the one thing that I will say about the Lions is is this just comes back to playoff football. The Lions can run the shit out of the ball. I was about to say, I'm so excited to see them actually using both Montgomery yeah. and Gibbs. Obviously, 
I've told you so many times before, like I chose Gibbs in all my fantasy leagues because watching that guy in college, he was electric. just he yeah. was electric. He was moving different. Yeah. He's finally getting his touches and opportunities. Yeah. Montgomery still looks great too. Like the the fact that they're able to run the ball so effectively, and then Goff is as serviceable and like at moments looks like a great quarterback yeah, when he needs to be. Yeah. They have a great receiving core. Um yeah, I like the I like the Lions offense more, but like you're saying when you're talking playoffs and contender, a lot of it comes down to defense. Yeah. So I understand your point on that. But I think both of those teams have a lot of potential. Yeah, I think so too. And I think I mean Tony Pollard's not having the best season by any means, but if he can really turn it on to end off this year, because CD Land is tearing it up right now, and Dak Prescott, I mean, I'm not super confident in the guy, but he's playing well right now. Um, I feel pretty similar about him and Goff. I would agree with that. Um, just as far as like where their ceilings are. But, I mean, if Tony Pollard can get it going and they can find more of a balanced offense, this team is going to be really, really hard to stop because obviously we know what their defense can do. Uh, I want to give some flowers to Deron Bland, their quarterback. He's playing out of his mind. He's got four pick sixes on the year, already tied the single-season record. Hopefully he gets one more because I would love to see some Yeah, I, I texted you that last week because I was playing against you and you had the Cowboys defense. Yeah, so Cowboys like, defense. Like, oh, another defensive touchdown by <laughs> the same guy. Like that, That's insane. Yeah, he's, been, he's been balling out. Okay, so uh, now that we have some of those names out of the way, I, I want to say one more team um, before we get into specifics about these Super Bowl contenders and where some of their biggest concerns might be, um, is the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins are a team we didn't really bring up. I still think the Dolphins are well. I think all six teams we just mentioned, and that being the Ravens, Eagles, Chiefs, Niners, Lions, Cowboys, I still think all those teams are better than the Dolphins, but I think the Dolphins are like that seventh team. Um, you can maybe argue for teams like, honestly, like Cleveland, is right up there right now. I the think Bills. The Bills. I just don't trust the Bills right now. The frankly. Bills are such a weird team. Such a strange team. I would take Cleveland over the Bills right now. Because D- again, DTR. It's it's not even about like they but don't that even, defense. That defense is insane. And they have a run game. It's just and again, they have a run it's game. one of those teams. That Which like, is funny. Without Chubb, they still have a very effective. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's because their offensive line is so good. Yeah, it's like the Lions where. Um, if you have a ground game that's that dominant and you can just control the clock and control tempo, when January comes around, it gets cold, especially if you're, they're going to have to come to Cleveland, they still have a chance to win that division. It's going to be so hard to win football games in Cleveland. You so. can have such an effective team by having a very solid defense, a strong run game, and a strong O-line. With, like Winning in the trenches on both sides and then running the ball, like you're saying, especially when it starts to get colder out. Yeah. You, if you just run the ball, bruise I mean, up the other team, like... Perfect That's all you need. This. Perfect example of this. What was it? Three years ago when Jimmy Garoppolo threw six passes in the NFC Championship game? I, I was thinking of the exact same example. Yeah. It, it's it's there's so many parallels to it. Yeah. Yeah. If, if your quarterback is serviceable, just you know, serviceable. Not just not bad, basically. Yeah. And it's kind of it's kind of ironic in a way, thinking, oh, Cleveland is basically a quarterback away from being a serious, right. a serious right. contender. You trade for Watson, you pay him so much money to be your quarterback of the future. He hasn't panned out so far. Obviously, got has got injured multiple times this season. He's not he's out for season now, right? He is, yeah. So he's out for season. That hasn't panned out so far. Nope. We'll see what happens in the future. But it's it's ironic thinking they're one, Cleveland is once again a quarterback away from being a legitimate team. Yeah. But they still they still have a chance to kind of mix things up, stir stir up the uh, the playoff look. And just, just like you were saying, strong defense, good run game, strong line. And Miles Garrett, I mean, the, the whole defense is playing out of their minds, but Miles Garrett is just entering a whole new realm 
of pass rushing right now. That dude is playing out of his fucking mind. He has the highest pass rush win rate via PFF in the entire league, and it's not close. So let's get into some of these specific Super Bowl contenders. First, let's start with the Ravens. Uh, I got two questions for you. One, how much do you think Mark Andrews' injury can, will hurt them in the long run? And two, can Lamar Jackson win the MVP for his second time in his career? Some good questions. Uh, I mean, first off with Andrews, that that that's going to be very tough. Uh, Andrews tough. has always been the security blanket, you know. The guy, he's come on the scene so strongly these last few years, especially was having another great season before that injury. It's like you go past Andrews, you have solid players still. I mean, OBJ obviously showed that he still has something in the tank last 100%. week. He, he played well. Good Zay Flowers has shown flashes. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like mistakes that you'll see from any rookie, but Flowers has still played well. Um, they still have decent other receivers. They have what Aguilar's been Bateman. decent. Yeah, Bateman's honestly like, not a bad receiver. Yeah. Um, like I, I want to see what they have out of Likely too. I remember he was he played pretty well last year when Andrews was hurt. Yeah. So we'll see how much he gets involved. But I think that is a serious hit, and I think that also definitely ties into the Lamar MVP prospect as well. I I, I still think Lamar is going to be a great player without Andrews, but that's a huge hit. That's a huge hit. You can't underestimate how much that will impact Lamar. I think he might have to run the ball a little bit more. His receivers may not be open nearly as much because obviously you have a guy like Andrews draws attention, draws attention, going right. to get your other receivers open. Who, who's going to be your number one receiver now? Yeah. Is it is it OBJ? Is it Flowers? It's not Bayman. I mean, it, like you could see one of those guys potentially step up and step into that wide receiver one role, but I think it's going to be more like I want to say Chiefs without Kelsey, but that's a brutal situation. It was like kind of week one where you're throwing the ball all around. Whoever's open, you have a good quarterback or a very good quarterback that can kind of spread the ball as you need to. But I think Andrew's getting hurt, in my opinion, means Lamar won't win the MVP this season. I think he'll still be a solid quarterback, and they still have legitimate Super Bowl hopes. But as unless one of those other receivers steps up and like steps out as a legitimate wide receiver one, I just don't see it. Especially, yeah, what I was going to say too is – I, again, I hate bringing up this point, but you have to bring it. Like, you have to say it. If there's one more injury in that receiver room, like, it could get bad really quickly. Because Mark Andrews obviously was their guy. He is the number one target. He's not a receiver. But beyond that, I mean, they've had a lot of inconsistencies just with everyone else in that room. There's been games single-handedly, like that Steelers game earlier this year, where drops basically cost them the loss. So... They're just really thin at that position now. And obviously, the identity of this team is still running the ball. Gus Edwards is having a fantastic season for him. And we know what Lamar can do with his legs himself. But also, again, defense playing out of their minds, still playing really, really well. But again, it's just, it is definitely a step back losing Andrews on offense. It's going to be interesting to see how likely he's used because he's undoubtedly going to take a bigger role. And like you said, he saw his role become a lot bigger once Andrews went down last year. Um, So I guess only time will tell. I agree with you. I don't think this is going to be Lamar's year for the MVP, but I definitely still think he's going to be in that conversation, especially if, I mean, it's just not a great year for the quarterback. The fact that CJ Stroud's being talked so much for MVP talks really like tells you like what it's looking like because guys like Jalen Hurts, his interception numbers are way up from last year. He was obviously in the MVP conversation. Patrick Mahomes, 
his numbers aren't really where they need to be to win MVP right now. Um, there's been talks of guys like Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown. So again, only time will tell. There's still a lot of football left to be played. So it's hard to say definitively who the favorite is. I think if technically you look at the odds, I think it's Tua. Let me let me check. Which is a crazy thought. Yeah. <laughs> it is also I, I could easily see this year. Being the like one year where someone wins the MVP more for their team's success rather than personal stats, because I know that's kind of been a topic of debate in the past. Like, oh my bad, Tua's not even up there. It's not. it's Jalen Hurts, then Lamar, okay, then Mahomes, then Tua. Okay, yeah, I think in the past there's always been debate on you know someone wins MVP but their team's not winning. Like they're putting up these crazy stats. I mean, this is in every sport basically. Right. It's like you put up crazy personal stats but your team isn't winning. It's like, do they really deserve the MVP? That's always been the discussion. So I feel like this year with kind of mediocre QB numbers across the board, we could potentially see someone like Mahomes or like Hertz winning another, or for Mahomes at least, winning another MVP. Did Hertz win last year? No, it was Mahomes last year. Mahomes last year. Yeah, yeah. so I can see Mahomes winning another MVP just because of the team's success, or especially like in Hertz's case, where your team's doing very well despite his struggles. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't have any clear front runner right now. I don't think, yeah, I mean, the odds, even if you just look at the odds themselves, they're they're pretty close, um, all things considered. I'll go back to them really quick here. They're, Jalen Hurts is actually, like, the pretty clear favorite right now, which I think makes sense just, again, based off what we were just talking about because they, they do have the best record in the NFL, obviously just went into Arrowhead and won that football game. Um, then Lamar Jackson's right behind him. Are they technically the one seed in the AFC now? I think they are. The, the Ravens? The Ravens, yeah. So that's probably why. Most of the time, that's how it works out, yeah. where the quarterbacks with the one seeds end up. One of those, one of the two Ends wins being, it. Yeah, um, but sense. yeah, I mean, again, it's just not a great year for quarterbacks. Frankly, I'm surprised that Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown aren't higher up here, especially, especially A.J. Brown. Just, again, considering Jalen Hurts' numbers themselves aren't as good as they were last year, and A.J. Brown's numbers are just ridiculous and they, they are the one seed in the nfc so i don't know only time will tell but let's uh let's get back or let's let's stay with the eagles for a second i think they have to be the new favorite to win the super bowl i could check that as well right now but kevin byard that trade already looking like it's paying off for them um again we said this last year but it just there's not a lot of weaknesses in this team i think the one thing they're really struggling with at least statistically it's just defending the pass. They're not doing that as well as they were last year. But I mean, other than that, they just have talent everywhere. There's just they can beat you in so many different ways. Obviously, the tush push is the most unstoppable play in the league, and it's basically a guaranteed touchdown as long as they get down there. Um, so I think right now you have to give them their flowers and say they are the best team in the NFL, just going into Kansas City and winning. But it really does show you how small the gap between is these top teams because again a couple drops and that game goes pretty different 100 obviously you don't know how it ends up playing out in totality but you would imagine um you know if kelsey doesn't have that fumble down there in the red zone if marcus valdez scanley doesn't drop that ball at the end of the game there um the chiefs would definitely have, at least have a better shot to win that game and it was still only a four-point game so i still think right now if i'm picking super bowl i'm still going to pick eagles chiefs yeah, I would too. Yeah. I, I don't – there's always – that's why I'm so – this year's so interesting too. There are – like we were saying, there's basically four teams that stand out. There's – like you're saying, 
Eagles, Chiefs, um, blanking right now. Ravens, San Francisco, San Francisco. So, no, I mean I agree with that too. Yeah. So you could make an argument like if they those could end up being the championship or like yeah. NFC AFC championship right. championship games. Um, and obviously anything can happen any week. You know, there's football is just weird like that. So you never really know. But based on the records and who the who each team has beat this year, like those definitely looked like the two strongest teams, especially with Andrews going down. That changes the AFC race a bit. I think that puts Chiefs as contenders far above the Ravens, in my opinion. Not maybe not far above, but like I still like them a lot more as uh, Super Bowl favorites. And it's just, I mean, we've seen them do it, right? Like, yeah, exactly. We've seen it do them. We've seen them do it so many times. Yeah. And then I think the Eagles, like you were saying, there's so few holes. Like they're they're struggling to protect or protect against the pass, but every single year they continue to draft well. Continue to beef up that D line, especially just yeah, the Jaylen defense entirely. Carter's a monster, dude. I can't believe that he slipped. Me neither. Um, but they build that depth out so well. You have another example of a stronger line, a very solid quarterback in Hurts, great receiver. Like AJ Brown and Smith, great duo. You still have Goddard. Swift has played pretty damn well this season coming Swift's into the Lions. He's played really well, yeah. He's played well. It, there's, like you're saying, there's not too many holes on this team. No. So, and, yeah, I would agree. Those are my top two. Yeah, and then moving on to the Chiefs really quickly. Obviously, we just spent a decent amount of time on them, so we won't spend too much time lingering here. But, I mean, first things first, we just mentioned it. All these drops are killing them. Mahomes needs help. Obviously, the trade deadline's passed, so they're not going to do anything in that regard. They're probably not going to sign anybody off their couch because I don't think Des Bryant's going to suit up or anything like that. Um, I just don't know where they'd go in that direction. So, it needs to start within the building. They need someone to step up. I think the guy that they need to step up is Rasheed Rice. I really, really like him. He's a rookie out of fuck, SMU. I think he's out of that SMU. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure either. Um, but I will say this defense is playing elite, elite, elite football right now. They got a ton of pressure on Jalen Hurts last game. Their defensive line is doing a lot of good things. Obviously, Chris Jones leads the way there, but second-year guy, George Karloftis, is killing it. They got Felix Inaduke, who's a first-year guy playing really, really well. Uh, Charles Oconquo also playing really well. Drew Tranquil from the Chargers. Drew Tranquil from the Chargers solid. has been very solid. And then their secondary cannot be slept on at all. LeJarius Sneed had a really good game against A.J. Brown last week. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie, or is that his first name? Yeah, that's his first name. I kind of forgot for a second. It's Trent, right? Trent. Trent, Trent McDuffie, Trent. yeah. Who's Isaiah? I don't know, I don't bro. Know. There's a lot it of is, It is Trent. It is Trent. Trent. Um, but yeah, he's really, really good. A ton of forced fumbles. It's pretty remarkable for someone of his stature to have that many forced fumbles. I think he's got like five on the season. Damn. But uh, either way, this Chiefs defense is playing really, really well. I expect that to continue as the year goes forward. And honestly, it's been a huge part of why they're winning a lot of these games. And I think the key is, I mean, we, we know this, but there needs to be someone else other than Kelsey. And even Kelsey hasn't really been playing like himself. Last uh, week, he had another bad drop, had a fumble in the red zone. So Mahomes still playing MVP caliber level football stats don't really back it up, but that's not because of him. He just, yeah, like, he just I mean, some help. we were talking about it earlier. Like, even week one, um, like you talk about some of his interceptions, Tony dropping or like the. I remember there's the past week one. I think it was Tony. It was hit, Tony hits off of his yeah. hands, Brian gets Branch, intercepted. Six. Yeah, I get it. I get excited because I don't like the Chiefs, but I'm like that's <laughs> just not Mahomes' fault no. at all. Like 
So if you're looking statistically alone, you'd be like, oh, Mahomes is not having his best season. But it's like he's still playing great football. It's just his receivers are really selling a lot of plays, and he does need more help. Like, I can't – I was talking to Ryan about this the other day. I I can't imagine if they still had Tyreek. It's actually incredible. With how good Mahomes continues to play, and Kelsey, despite his, like – Struggles at points this season, still is playing great despite yeah. his age. And you still have decent receiver depth. Obviously, no clear number two, but it's like you put a guy like Tyreek back into that equation. I it, mean, it's incredible to think that they saw no regression when he left. They won the Super Bowl. And then it was like a delayed, it was like a delayed hangover. It's like those hangovers you get where like you wake up from drinking, you feel fucking great, and then 4 o'clock comes around, 3 o'clock comes around, and you're like, what the fuck? 100%. It's like that. That's a great analogy. It's just like, how did they make it a whole year? Mahomes won the MVP. Mahomes' stats didn't dip at all. If anything, they got better. And he was throwing to the exact same guys he's throwing to this year. <laughs> Juju. And Oh, fuck, you're <laughs> the so The big right. difference. Juju was the difference. It was Juju. But seriously, it's like, I don't... The cast is basically the exact same. And they won a Super Bowl. He won MVP. Broke the Super Bowl MVP curse. And now fast forward just a matter of months. And they just don't look the same at all offensively. Like remotely. Yeah, I, I don't know to attribute that to. I mean, they, they've still had a solid run game. I mean, still have a solid Pacheco run game. Has yeah, and their offensive line is elite. Well. And like you're saying, their defense is taking a big step mm-hmm. forward. But just speaking offensively, I mean, I guess it's you almost have to think slight kelsey regression slight has somehow had i think that's the taylor part, swift like, distraction guy yeah. <laughs> that's all it is uh but i think that's the only thing i can point to which is crazy to say because he's still playing great football yeah. it's like if i guess last year kelsey just had such an insane season and played so well the whole year that that's why you didn't notice but then this year he's still playing really well but then if he doesn't play like the best offensive player yeah, on like the planet. All pro every single Sunday. If he's not, then then you have nothing. Now yeah. that's when, that's when you see the struggles. I mean, a guy like Rishi Rice has played very well, but he has not stepped up as much as he needs to. No. Which is crazy to say. He is a rookie. Yeah. Like they shouldn't. He shouldn't have that much pressure, but he does because but, I mean, there's other like again. We we were just talking about it. Like we see rookies coming in the league so regularly now, and like like Tank Dell, Puka Nakua, like these dudes are asked to step up. And some of them do, and some of them don't. And it's just, like, yeah, you can say, like, oh, it's a rookie, and, like, he should need more time to develop and whatever. But it's, like, we see rookies every single That's a year. good point. Like, my, my – the thing I wanted, like, the point I get to immediately is you have a rookie come in. You shouldn't have to have the pressure on a rookie. For sure. But I would agree with what you're saying is you shouldn't have to have it, but given the recent sample size of rookies that have been able to step up and show that they, exactly. they can be the player – like they play not like a rookie, basically to yeah. put it like all like, pro like, sometimes. Exactly, like especially Sauce Gardner, Jamar Chase, and Puka Puka Nakua. Before, especially before Cooper came back, like yeah, Puka having the step to be or the uh, the shot to be a true number one, he stepped up and he became a true number one. One hundred percent. His rookie year, so I would agree with that. Uh, but it's just crazy to think that slight Kelsey regression. and like and emphasis a, on slight and some butter on the hands, some butter on the hands of the rest of the receivers. Yeah. Has created such a significant drop off. Sorry, we got a little, little something going on. We're just gonna continue on with this. Is your green light still on on your mic? Yeah, cool. We're still there. You know what? I'm gonna pause this really quick. All right, we're good. It passed. Okay, we're going. 
Let's go to the San Francisco 49ers really quick, and then we're going to finish off this episode talking about just how weird this fantasy season has been. Has been, has been, has been. Um, but first, let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers. First off, fucking how did this team lose three games in a row? Won't ever be able to explain that. Debo makes no damn sense. And second off, Purdy is the real deal. Perfect passer rating last week. Honestly, probably wasn't even his best game as a 49er. We got more sirens going on. Damn. Some shit's going down in Cedo tonight, guys. Damn, I'm going to pause this again really quick. So, yes, the San Francisco 49ers seem to be back on track. All things are clicking after their three-game skid. Obviously beat the shit out of Jacksonville in Jacksonville, coming off their bye week. Turned around, had Tampa Bay at home, took care of business. Chase Young already paying off dividends, even if he is just a one-year rental. They didn't give up too much to get him anyways. So, all things good there. George Kittle has been tearing it up these past few weeks, playing really well for me on fantasy. And I just think that this team, I mean, why can't it be their year? You know, like I think they could easily compete with the Eagles. Um, as long as they're all healthy, they're all good to go. This is still one of the most talented rosters in the entire league. And I still expect them to be back in the NFC championship once again. Obviously, you never know with football, some weird shit can happen. And hopefully they all stay healthy. So we never have to question, you know, if this guy was good to go, could they have made it the distance? Um, and I just think as a team, again, this is another roster similar to the Eagles. It's just like, where can you point to their weakness? Because they're doing everything really well right now. And again, I just can't really fathom how they lost three games in a row. First off, in comparison to the Eagles, it is kind of crazy how similar different aspects of the team are. Like you have a very strong D-line, especially good backers. But then it's like there are questions in the secondary mm. on both teams. Right. I think that has been the biggest issue for both of them this season, on the defensive side at least. Yeah. And then offense, you just have star power loaded up. And you have a little bit of a different distribution on offense. You have, I'd say the Niners have a better overall receiving core, I guess. Or I guess it's still comparable. Like I want to point to, if you're talking receivers, Debo's obviously great when he's healthy. And then you have Kittle, who's been balling out. And then you still have Ayuk, who's a very solid receiver. Ayuk's really good. But then great, obviously... Great Eagles, you still have AJ, who has been potentially the best receiver in the league this year. And then Smith has been still a great receiver. Mm-hmm. Goddard is not on the same level as a tight end, but still a very solid tight end. I mean, he's a he's probably the fifth best tight end. He's still a very, very good tight end. Sixth best, maybe. Yeah, and then you compare backs. Obviously, no one's touching McCaffrey right now. No. Swift has played very well, but no one's touching McCaffrey. No. And then you would like to say, or I think it would make sense to say that Hurts is better, obviously given the sample size, but Purdy is still played still a great like a top five quarterback, yeah. like which is crazy to say. Five is a little aggressive, but as I said, I said not top five, but maybe played like a top five, especially these still, last couple you weeks. You could argue that though. Which is, that, that's all I'm getting to. It's crazy that you could even argue that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the fact that he was the last pick and he's still playing easily top 15, probably easily. top 10. Probably top 10, yeah. If you start to list out the guys this season, yeah. especially given the like kind of downturn of the QB uh, performance this season, but yeah, there's they're so comparable in so many different aspects. They're both very solid all around. You put them in the championship game, I wouldn't be surprised if the Niners come away with a win, and obviously wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles won too. So yeah, I, I think they're definitely that. still in that conversation. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree with everything you said there. I mean, I think it's going to be a really really fun last what seven weeks of the NFL season to see who ends up making a run here, who ends up going the distance. 
But I think that's going to do it for our Super Bowl section, Super Bowl contender section. Let's get into some fantasy football. I'm just going to list off some names, and I want you to react to this really quickly. So top 10 running backs. What the fuck? I think the only thing we really could have predicted here, Christian McCaffrey is obviously miles ahead of everybody else. He scored 220 points this season. That's 50 above the RB2. He is absolutely killing it. Um, I worried about his health coming into this season. I said very warranted. I said that I probably wouldn't take him number one overall, maybe not even number two overall, because I thought just health concerns just had me in my own head about it. He has beaten those allegations so far. Knock on wood that he stays healthy. Um, obviously, never wishing for a guy to get hurt, but I was a little hesitant on him this year. He has absolutely silenced my doubts. He is killing the game right now. Raheem Mostert still sitting at the RB two again. That's the first of what the fuck. Who I wait most? What's the scoring for this? Hundred. This is half PPR. Okay, that's insane. Yeah, he's still the RB two. Hundred. Hundred seventy points total. Um, this is again. This is just so bizarre to me. I never would have thought Raheem Mostert would have been this high up. I think if Devon Achan was still back and didn't get hurt, he wouldn't be this high up. But regardless, I thought Mike McDaniel's offense. I didn't think this run game was going to be this insane. I don't think anyone saw him. He has 13 touchdowns on the year. That's fucking insane. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and then I'm just going to list off the next eight guys rather quickly here. At number three, again, this is half PPR for anyone listening. Travis Etienne. At number four, Brian Robinson. Number five, Josh Jacobs. Brian Robinson's number four. Yeah. Number Damn. six, Gus Edwards. Number seven, DeAndre Swift. Number eight, Rashad White. Number nine, Kenneth Walker. And number 10, Jameer Gibbs. Barely sneaking into the top 10 there. So who sticks out for you here? I'll flip the computer your way so you can actually see the list. Um, you said Brian Robinson. I was that for my initial reaction is maybe, maybe what is it? One McCaffrey, obviously first rounder. Maybe I, I would imagine Jacobs got picked in the first in a few leagues. Yeah, that's actually so true. You have maybe two first rounders. Maybe Kenneth Walker. Maybe, maybe Kenneth Walker in deeper leagues or late round of the first. Yeah. Or late end of the first. But then that's what sticks out to me initially is all these other guys are maybe a few early rounders. You have Etienne. Um, really just ET. I mean, I took Gibbs early in my draft. Brian Robinson went decently early. Gibbs yeah. Gibbs went early. pretty high, actually. But a lot of these guys, like... Yeah, Brian Robinson, I guess he did kind of. But Gus Edwards being, what is that, six? Yeah. Gus Edwards. A lot of touchdowns. Ten touchdowns on the year. That, that's insane and, to me. And if you, what's crazy about Gus is if you look at where his points are coming from. So Gus Edwards, for reference, I know you guys can't see these numbers. We're obviously looking at them right now. But I'll try my best to explain it. Um, Josh Jacobs has 31 catches on the year, so that's definitely helping his point total. Only five total touchdowns. To put that in perspective, though, Gus Edwards only has nine catches. Wow. That is unreal. So he's probably, if you're talking standard leagues, he's probably even higher up, huh? Probably. Yeah, Yeah, so that's insane. I'm kind of surprised Josh Jacobs has had a little bit of a resurgence recently because I know the first few weeks. Since uh, McDaniels has gone, their team has been playing a lot better. Yeah, that's 100% true. Rashad White. He's getting uh, again another guy, Rashad White. If you're in PPR leagues, this dude has been a monster for you this year. He has 41 catches. Whereas compared, if you're looking at his rushing yards, he has almost half the rushing yards that Christian McCaffrey has. Christian McCaffrey's sitting at 825, obviously leading the league, and then Rashad White's all the way down at 459, but he has 41 grabs. 
compared to Christian McCaffrey's 43. So very comparable numbers there. Um, just unreal volume in terms of the passing game. And that's really what's making the difference for him. And then if you get into the RB2s, which we'll get into now, this is 11 through 20. It's even more of a shit fest because these are a lot of the guys that went in the first two rounds and a lot of the guys that people were expecting to be on top. So we're going to start with 11, Joe Mixon, obviously a guy that was very highly drafted. Brees Hall, still sitting at 12, had some very much up and down games this season. Um, I think a lot of that, again, just has to do with Zach Wilson being your quarterback. That's going to happen. Number 13, James Cook. 14, Saquon Barkley. 15, Derrick Henry. 16, Zach Moss is still up there. Um, Obviously had a really, really good start to the year. Alvin Kamara has come off really hot. He's sitting there at 17, despite, you know, being suspended the first few games. He's another one of these guys that if you have him in PPR, he's been an absolute monster for you. Is 50 catches. David Montgomery sitting at the RB18. Huge value pickup. Love that guy. Bijan Robinson, my first round pick, sitting down there. Um, you know, less points than my 10th round pick. So that's mm-hmm. fucking awesome. And then Tony Pollard <laughs> that is crazy. at the RB20. What do you react to these? What do you have to say? It's basically a flip of what I was saying about the last round. All of these guys are the guys you do yeah. see getting drafted yeah. in the first or second round. Becoming, obviously, still very highly, uh, they're still performing at a very high level. It's crazy to see Zach Moss still up there. It shows is. you how good of a starter the season he has, or he had, and it's kind of crazy thinking that his role has just got cut back so much. Obviously, you pay Taylor all that money, but Zach Moss was a top running back in the league for a good amount of what was At it? At least five four weeks. Four yeah. or five weeks, yeah. Before uh, Jonathan Taylor came back. Kamara coming in after suspension and just balling out. His workload has been insane. His targets have been crazy. Montgomery, despite having a couple games missed because of injuries, still up there, getting a lot of good red zone work, a lot of good touches. Also, Montgomery, to stick with that for a second, sorry to cut you off. Okay. He um, is easily having the most efficient year of his career, just in terms of yards per carry. And it really does tell you what a good offensive line can do for a running back. I mean, we just saw this. Look at Miles Sanders. Like, no one's talking about Miles Sanders now. Miles Sanders was one of the most talked about running backs in the league last year when he was running behind Philly's O-line. And now that role has been given to DeAndre Swift. And now DeAndre Swift, obviously a top 10 running back in fantasy this year. And even just beyond fantasy, I mean, dude's been having an unreal season. He's near the top of the league in rushing yards. So, again, scheme, system definitely makes a big difference for a lot of these guys. And I think a lot of these guys, like, like I have to talk about it. I have to bring it up. Bijan Robinson, it's just like – It's I, tough. It's the, I've been my, I got in my first round of my other league too. and I was so high on dude. I was too. And it's just like I think – I still think like all the reasons why so many people were so high on him in my head, like they're still so valid. I mean, we saw Arthur Smith have Derrick Henry go for 2000 yards twice when he was the offensive coordinator there. He was literally the only running back getting work. Um, he was the focal point of the offense. And then Bijan Robinson being picked that highly, he still hasn't had a game with more than 17 carries. I think it is. Yeah, you see, and it's especially tough when you actually watch the games too, because yeah. he's such a talented player, so talented, and he makes like he makes shit happen. Like he he uh, he continues to perform at a high mm-hmm. level when he gets his touches, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, they want to give the ball to Algier and Johnny Smith and the most random not for they have 
what three first round picks on offense? Right. Yeah. And they're like, let's yeah. use let's use everyone else, and they're all top ten picks. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a crazy thought. You would think Atlanta would have like one of the most stacked offenses in the league. And keep in mind, Atlanta was also <laughs> elite, and I mean elite at running the ball last year. Um, in terms of volume, they with were Cordero and yeah, yeah. and Algier. Mm-hmm. With in terms of volume, they ran the ball. I. Don't have the stat up in front of me, but I think I remember it correctly. I think they ran the ball the third most times in the league, and the only two teams that ran the ball more than them were the Bears and the Ravens, and that was because they have running quarterbacks. So if you take the quarterback rush attempts out of that, the Falcons are by far and away like first in the league, and they're also they were also top five in yards per carry. I mean the numbers were elite. So you figured you know a guy of Bijan's talents being taken as high as he did. I mean I thought he was gonna by far and away be the focal point of this offense, go for at least 1,500 yards, double-digit touchdowns. I think technically he's still on pace for a really good year, but again, you just expect so much more from someone of his talent and his caliber. And again, the touchdown numbers are really what's killing him right now. I think he only has, yeah, he's four touchdowns on the year. He's sitting at math, 830 yards total. So again, not a bad year by any means, but I think you just expected so much more and i think it's so valid that the fantasy community expected so much more and frankly i kind of can't believe arthur smith still has his job yeah i I'd expected it's kind of unfair to say this as a floor but like Najee harris rookie year where yeah. he came in as yeah. a high or relatively high draft pick as a rookie and got running, as a running work. back got all the work Najee's workload was insane his rookie year and i remember him playing with ross or with big ben as well he got so much work with his little dump offs. And I would think the same thing when you have fucking Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter as your yeah. starting quarterback. I thought it was gonna be a similar situation. I too. don't think it's unfair to think that. Yeah. Or it wasn't unfair to think that. And now I agree, Arthur Smith, just seeing that man on the screen makes me angry yeah. as a Bijan Robinson fantasy honor. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Uh we're looking at the top ten right now. And honestly, it's not that surprising. I don't think like the only really surprising one, Puka Nakua, still sitting there at the wide receiver 10. But other than that, I mean, Tyreek Hill was probably taken first in your league. He's the wide receiver one. Keenan Allen being the wide receiver two. You could say that's a little bit surprising. I think he went in a little bit, like, he went fourth round most drafts, maybe fifth in some of them. But, again, not the craziest thing, especially considering the injuries they've had on that roster. And his work has just been insane. C.D. Lamb currently sitting at the wide receiver three. A.J. Brown, wide receiver four. Stephon Diggs. Almar Ross St. Brown, Jamar Chase, DJ Moore, my boy, at number eight. Mike Evans still doing his thing at number nine. And then Puka Nakua. But once you get to the wide receiver two, it's a fucking shit fest. Mm. I don't think anyone would have seen this coming. Um, Adam Thielen, still the wide receiver 11. His volume is absolutely unreal. He has 76 catches on the year. For perspective, someone like an A.J. Brown has 68. So his volume is just absolutely insane. Um, then you got Jordan Addison still sitting there as a wide receiver 12. Unreal. Devontae Adams all the way down to 13. Again, wouldn't have expected that even with Jimmy Garoppolo coming in. I definitely thought he was going to take a dip. I just didn't expect it to be that drastic. Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver 14. Tank Dell and Nico Collins, wide receiver 15 and 17 respectively. Never would have saw that. Maybe the Nico Collins I could have bought into a little bit, but Tank Dell as a wide receiver 15 through 11 weeks, unreal. Uh, Michael Pittman, wide receiver 16. Cortland Sutton, who's honestly been a really, really great, you know. Finally coming on to the Yeah, yeah just, been a great, just been a great player for that offense. Jacoby Myers as a wide receiver 19. And then Chris Olave 
finishing out as a wide receiver 20. What are some names or what are some things that stand out to you when you just read that? First off, these are all wide receiver two, basically. I have three of these guys in our league. And I think I got them all yes, off. You do. I just have the most like average receiving core. But not even average, like higher end average, whatever. Um, but Adam Thielen <laughs> has been getting so much work. The amount of targets, every like I think his the lowest catch total. I think he's has been five catches for in a week for him, which is insane because he's thirty three. Don't forget. And that. as a floor and playing with uh, Bryce Young and Andy Dalton, those are your starting quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, uh, it, I'm so impressed by Adam Thielen this year. Jordan or Jordan Addison's still staying up there. Very impressive. I also drafted Devonta Adams in our league. Um, it's like you're saying the drop off is pretty, pretty crazy, but it's also crazy considering how high up he remains to be, um, despite playing with Jimmy Garoppolo and Aiden McConnell or O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah. Same shit. Um, yeah, I had a lot higher expectations for Chris Olave this year too. And I, I guess is Derek Carr hurt right now? Um, I think he's back. I don't know. If I'm being honest, I haven't paid too close attention to the Saints because the NFC South is just not fun to watch. Yeah. That is not the whole division, division is average, yeah. I guess, decent. And it's going to be the same thing that happened last year that's going to happen this year where someone's going to have to win the division and they're not going to be worthy of going to the playoffs. The new I mean, NFC East, basically. Yeah. None, nonetheless, they're going to make the playoffs. So, I don't know. Is that – you got anything else? Anything else we want to cover? Ayuk stepping up, too. I, I mean, like I was saying, when you look at that receiving core, Debo's obviously missed a few games. Kittle's been balling recently, but Ayuk's been a very serviceable receiver. Also, if you look at Ayuk's yardage numbers compared to all these other guys, he clears easily. Yeah, damn. I think he's – has he missed a couple games with injury too? I don't think so. I think he's played every game. Yeah, Ayuk's been very solid this season. Yeah, he just doesn't have the reception totals. His average yards per target is a lot higher than a lot of these other guys. I also think Tank and Nico both being up there just show you the year that CJ Stroud yeah, is having. Yeah, CJ Stroud is unreal. That dude is playing <laughs> such incredible football right now. He's definitely breaking the Ohio State quarterback curse. 100%. I hope that Justin Fields can be the second guy to do that, but I think we still need more time. It's really incredible, though, what CJ Stroud – I guess we can close off the pod with this. CJ Stroud has been doing just – Another guy that I was so wrong about, I think a lot of people, he got too much media attention coming out of the draft because of like that S2 test and because, you know, Bryce won the Heisman and Bryce was considered like the more quarterback or sorry, more professional prospect. He was considered more pro ready. And there's, that's honestly the reason why he went number one overall, in my opinion. But I think a lot of people forgot that TJ Stroud was talked about as the higher ceiling guy. Um, and it kind of just became the narrative that like this guy's not ready to play right now and Houston just traded you know a really high pick to go get Will Anderson and him and a lot of people are talking about wow this is like a really good move for Arizona because Houston might not be really good and they might end up with two top five picks because Arizona's probably not going to be good that doesn't look like the case at all Houston's seriously making a run at the playoffs they're playing fantastic football and CJ Stroud again I mentioned it earlier has been in the MVP conversation. So, I mean, so many things are going right for this team, and I'm, I'm happy for them because I think Houston deserves it. They've been shit for a really, really long time. And I'm just so impressed with what C.J. Stroud has been able to do because he's legitimately playing like a top-ten quarterback in this league. He's playing like a veteran. And I just think a lot of people 
underestimated him, including myself. <laughs> I think there definitely is a lot of bias at the Ohio State quarterback thing. Yeah. I'm um, coming in. And then I was saying, too, you see the receivers that are up there. They're still great receivers, and a lot of it is C.J. Stroud. But then you imagine, like, you look at the names, at least. Tank Dell's great as a rookie. Nico Collins has always been a solid receiver these last couple of years. But imagine you get C.J. Stroud, like a true, like legitimate wide receiver one, yeah. in addition to those great receiver, receivers you already have. Like, I think his ceiling hasn't even been touched yet. I think he has so much potential as a quarterback. Seeing this as a rookie with the Houston team that no one thought was going to do anything again this season, like you were saying, you would have imagined their pick would be another high pick for the Cardinals. And we'd see the Houston, the same Houston we've seen these last few years. But CJ Stroud has changed everything for this organization. And I, I'm really, I love to see it too. I also want to give a lot of credit. If you've listened to my previous episodes, you probably know what I'm going to say here, but whatever. Their coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job coaching him up. Uh, Bobby Slowick and D'Amico Ryans. Both came over in the same year from San Francisco. Bobby Slowick was their passing games coordinator. He's now their OC. D'Amico Ryan's their defensive coordinator, now their head coach, also former Houston Texan himself. So they're doing a fantastic job coaching him up. They're protecting him really well. Their offensive line is playing really, really good football. And at the beginning of the year, they had absolutely no run game. Now they've picked it up. Devlin Singletary's really been doing his thing with Damian Pierce being out. Um, which again, I expected Damian Pierce to have a pretty good year this last year, but as a whole, I just didn't really trust Houston. I thought Houston was going to be in for a long one. I thought this was going to be a multi-year rebuild. I wasn't, you know, completely dismissing CJ Stroud as being like this bust or anything, but I definitely didn't see him having the impact that he's having now. And again, just want to give a lot of credit to them. It's been awesome to watch. And as a football fan, I mean, it's just cool. It's It's good to watch a new quarterback. Rise up the ranks. Especially so early. And yeah. I, I really – if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that C.J. Stroud would be – or that the Houston Texans would be, like, legitimately in the playoff conversation, I would have been, like, no way. Yeah. And I guess the only way that I could have seen that as a possibility would be if C.J. Stroud is having the season that he's having right now. Yeah. Like, I would be, you would need to be getting Which is insane all, production out of your quarterback. All-time rookie season, by the way. All-time. So, I, I would agree with you. It's really cool to see as a fan. CJ Stroud seems like a great guy, great quarterback, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Houston Texans. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. I appreciate y'all tuning in, supporting the pod. Thank you, Cole, for coming out. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate you. And I don't know when you'll catch me again next, but I'm going to try and get these more regular. I know I've been out of my groove recently. haven't uploaded in like two weeks, but we're going to fix that up. I uh, got new mics here, so we're going to interview some people on campus and shit. should be fun. And yeah, thanks guys. Have a great one.